0: Hi, everyone. I'm Crystal, and I host the podcast Alternative Interests with my best friend, Elle. We're Washington natives that love true crime, the supernatural, and all things weird, dark, and spooky. Join us every week as we take turns sharing our own twists on the garbage humans that commit crimes or a paranormal story that we have been obsessing over. Whatever topic we cover, this show is sure to capture all of your alternative interests. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hello and welcome agents and new listeners. If you wish to stay up to date with the latest episodes or any news you might have missed, please follow us on Twitter or Instagram, or consider joining our Facebook page. If you'd like to join in or start in some discussions with other agents, we have a Discord server available to everyone. We also have our episodes up on YouTube, so please consider subscribing and share with your friends. Thank you for your time. Now let's get into this week's case file. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Files Obscura. Now we have kind of a different episode, a more laid-back one. I like to look into some geology and try to find some good stories that might be worth the topic, but I came across a bunch of stories that didn't quite neatly fit into one singular episode. So I figured today we're going to kind of throw a few of these favorites that I enjoyed and have a Strange Blue World episode. And today we're going to make a debut of someone new who's going to be joining the team. We're going to talk with my best friend Gabs. How are you doing, Gabs?
0: Hi, I'm doing pretty good.
1: Well, so, I mean, you and I, we've known each other for a little over a year at this point, but I, it feels like we've been best friends for a lot longer. Yeah, you know, definitely
0: with, a twin
2: Flames thing.
1: Here. Oh, absolutely. I know we've had a bunch of uh, personal stories. I mean, we could get into it, but this isn't the podcast for it. But, I mean, we've had days where we would just be on the couch getting drunk and watching Netflix together.
2: Weeks.
1: Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> I mean, how the first night uh, that I, you know, came over to your place and was talking to your roommates, I spent three days there.
2: On the couch, I had a yeah. great.
1: I had a great time. I wasn't, <laughs> I, it was just like, why go home? They're not kicking me out. I'm enjoying it and no one's complaining. So it was just kind of, we took off from there and, you know, we've had a lot of great times. You helped uh, push me out of my shell and, and you know. Uh, unintentionally also helped get me the kick in the in the butt to get this podcast started. Because it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. And so I actually reached out to you three four months ago about this.
0: A little longer I think.
1: I'm, well the podcast so far has only been five minutes long. So somewhere around there. Yeah
0: somewhere around there. And yeah, I told but, you to just go
2: full into
1: it. Yeah. Um. And, and, and I was a little hesitant. I wasn't sure how I wanted to go through things at the time. It was kind of I'll figure it out as I go, and I think you never
0: know until you do it. Of
1: course, but I think so far we've got a pretty good formula going on. People have been loving the conversation. People have been loving the different people that come on, and I'm so glad that I have you on today. Are you ready for today's episode? I
0: think so.
1: All right. Well, to kind of preface things for the audience, real quick, this is not our normal recording environment, hence why we don't have Vladimir, why we don't have Cece, or even Nathan today. Um, we are actually recording in your apartment, so if there's any audio issues or you hear her cats, I do apologize, but I didn't get cut out. It's just part of the ride today, so please sit back, enjoy, and I hope it's not too distracting as we talk about our strange blue world today. We picked three stories that I personally enjoyed. We got a case from Rockwall, Texas. You know, a little story that uh, I actually first heard about whenever I was watching the History Channel whenever I was younger back in 2012. Uh, then of course there's, uh, some fun ones around the world, like the Baltic Sea Anomaly. Now that was one of those strange UFO stories that just kind of appeared everywhere, but not a lot of people actually knew a lot about it. Um, so I did a little bit of quick research and got some, eh, some fun information, but again, it's just not a lot of information that's currently out there. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about why that is. And then the third, we got uh, a third story, which is just a really strange place. Nothing mysterious about it. No mysteries, but just the the geological processes around this place just create such a unique environment. I felt it was worth talking about, at least. So, we're going to go ahead and jump into a traditional game that we play every episode, Two Truths and a Lie. Are you ready? Go for it. Alright. So, I felt it was only fair that we pick a statement from each of these. One of them is going to be a lie. So, let's get into the first statement. First statement being, in 1852, three men would uncover a strange rock formation whenever they would try to uh, dig a well, and they would come across this wall-like structure that they found buried underground. And this would spark a bunch of debate and a bunch of discussions throughout the years that even today, people still argue about. This is what we're talking about, Rockwall, Texas. Okay? Right. You think you got that one? I think I got that one. All right. Statement number two. Due to a combination of materials and even bacteria uh, infested in the waters uh, of this area, this built the natural rainbow rock formations that you would see in the Danical Depression that give it its beautiful colors. If uh, you want a more relatable example, think uh, some of the geysers that you'll find in Yellowstone where you got all those colorful orange and greens and blues, you see the same thing here. Um, However, due to the a few other geologic processes that happen around uh, this area, the fact that they even have water is kind of amazing. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll discover. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why uh, even water existing here is a little amazing. And then, of course, we have uh, the third statement. You know, the Baltic Sea anomaly has baffled geo- uh, geologists for, for quite some time. Uh, with the very few samples we have been able to bring back as they were uh, composed of unidentifiable uh, metal alloys. And these alloys, you know, to this day, we don't know where they are after they were uncovered in 2012. Uh, we've had them for about three years. Uh, scientists you know, were able to do their uh, material analyzing. I didn't want to go too far into researching that process, but basically break down the material, see what it's made of, and go from there, and this is when they came across two elements which they don't recognize. Exactly. Yeah. To, those, to the audience that didn't hear, the face she just gave me was priceless as she just processed what I told her. <laughs> okay, but you got the three statements, right? I got three
2: statements. All right,
1: is there any clarification you need? No. Okay. So let's go through it. Let's go through your thought process. Which one do you thinks the lie?
0: I'm definitely going to have to go with the first
1: one. You think the first one's a lie? Yeah. You don't think three just random men were digging a well and just found something?
0: Well, I mean, that's happened in a lot of places. Of course. You know? So that seems pretty realistic to me.
1: Okay. So then why do you think that one's the lie?
0: Because you didn't explain it in depth like you did with the other two. Okay. okay. So I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with that.
1: Alright. Cool. So is that your final answer? Man, you're making me I'll, think, I'll give. It, I know. Right? I, I give everyone this chance. I give everyone this chance. Oh uh,
0: yeah, I'm gonna have to go. That's my final
1: answer. Then I'm gonna go ahead and lock you in on that one. All right. You think the first one's not true? You think do the not think one. three men uncovered uh, the rock wall in the Rockwall, Texas, when they were digging a well? Yes? I'll give you, you, you seem a little uncertain. I'll give you this last chance.
0: All right. Really
1: quick, go through them again. Okay. Just, long story really short. Thin-up. Long story short, three men in 1852 would try to dig a well and uncover the rock wall formation that sparked so much debate. Number two, a combination of different materials and bacteria uh, in, those, in the water pools in the Danical Depression would lead to the colorful rock formations that it's uh, partially well known for. Statement number three, the Baltic Sea anomaly has baffled geologists with samples of unidentified metals found in, uh, in the samples that they got. Okay we're so going to stick with the first one?
0: Still sticking with the first one. All right,
1: locking you in. Can't change your mind. Okay. All right, so let's go into the story of Rockwell. Figured this is going to be a fun one because there's a lot of history, a lot of documented debates going back and forth, and a lot of geologists have researched this and even came to kind of contradictory points, you know, in one time or another. So I decided let's start from the beginning. You know, let's look at some facts about this uh, Rockwell Texas you know population just under 40,000 as of the 2010 census uh, I believe current estimates put it around 47,000 people um, it's part of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex um, uh, which is a very large area here in Texas one I'm not personally fond of sorry Dallas nothing against you personally I just didn't enjoy your city
2: That's fair. yeah
1: I'm just sorry same thing with San Antonio but I love Austin love Houston that's my home Um, But archaeological research uh, of the surrounding areas would reveal, you know, tools of prehistoric natives dating back to, you know, 13,000 to 13,500 years ago with the discovery of Clovis points, which is a type of napped spearhead, which is originally found in Clovis, New Mexico in the 1930s, which is where they get their name from. There are other types of of points that you could find that had different uh, names, like the Folsom points is another very well-known one. And we use these to help kind of identify how people moved based off the different uh, shapes of these points. Um, Other stone artifacts and uh, Pleistocene mammal remains were also found in the surrounding areas, kind of giving credence to the idea of who was here and what they did. Um, The earliest known culture to inhabit the region were most likely the ancestors of the Caddo Nation. Uh, this nation is a confederacy of seven southeastern Native American tribes that stretched from East Texas, Louisiana, and southern parts of Oklahoma and Arkansas. This culture would derive from the Kadoan, uh Mississippian culture, which I apologize. I'm not very good at names uh, but I'm trying my best uh, But this culture was known for constructing huge mounds at several sites. Uh, you know, we have a lot of cultures here uh, in America, that are known as mound builders. These are one of them, and uh, definitely worth looking into. Uh, looking into these guys, if you want to know more. Okay, that's good because that fucks up. And obviously, I'm gonna edit this part out. But uh, real quick, if she gets over that camera, it, the audio won't pick up as much. It's something with my phone. But, like I was saying, if you want to know more, definitely check out the Spiro Mounds, S P I R O. And, the like, without getting too much into it, because it's kind of worth its own investigation on its own time, this was, uh, like, the second largest mound uh, in a collection of, like, 30, 40 mounds in this one area. And it's the only burial mound of all of this. So, it was kind of something interesting I came across. But since there, no mounds are found in this area, it's kind of hard to associate anything with uh, from them with this rock wall. Um, You know, early 1800s, they would be forced to relocate to a reservation in Texas around uh, this area uh, before they were then forced again to move in 1859 to what was then called Indian Territory, which is today called Oklahoma. Uh, There have been 21 documented uh, explorations Over the years, uh, the first one being in 1852, when three men, Benjamin Boydston, Terry Utley Wade, and William Clay Stevenson, sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting for a second. it looked like Johnson. Uh, They, you know, would be founders of this town, be very well-known figures whenever you look into Rockwall history, um, as they would uh, go to build a well, and when they dug down uh, to get to the water table level... They instead uncovered you know, what we now know as the rock wall, um, which would spark a bunch of debates going on, but this was the first documented case of the wall being excavated you know, unintentionally. They exposed a portion of it. Um, and, you know, obviously, these are just farmers. They, are, they don't have the, the college background to be able to identify this. But basically, when you see you know, a portion of the wall, which I can show you after we record, It looks like masonry. It looks like these these, uh, uh, bricks of limestone were cut out, you know, 12 to 14 inches long, very regular. They don't have too many, you know, off shapes. Most of the cuts are roughly right angles. So it it begs the question of what actually happened here. Because when you look at other, you know, rock faces... um, that, that kind of form the same way. They don't have these, you know, regularity in straight lines. They don't have these regularities that you see in, in different portions of this wall that have been excavated over the years. Um, in 1874, uh, this is when we get the first geologist. His name was Richard Burleson. He examined an exposed portion of the wall and determined that they were igneous occurrences, you know, so naturally, you know, forming rock. I mean, it's the problem. We already know they're not igneous, so he was wrong. Um, in 1901, Dr. Robert T. Hill, which is a Texas geologist, uh, he published an article about the wall and classified the wall as a clastic sand dike. Now, to just kind of understand real quick what a clastic sand dike is, is, is a type of clastic dike, uh, uh, which is a seam of sedimentary material that fills an open fracture in the in rock faces, either by fluid uh, fluidized mixture forced in, Or through natural processes like wind water and people and animals pushing it into the crevices and then over time through heat and pressure you know you form the sedimentary uh, material Um, and that's what he's saying uh, is happened here Um, in 1922 the Dallas News published an article suggesting a different story of how the wall was found Uh, basically same idea guy was digging a well for his farm And He uncovered the well. However, he says um, uh, the author uh, One W.S. Ader claims uh, a Mr. Bourne B-O-U-R-N because I kept trying to write B-O-R-N-E because I love the movie Uh, He had 50 acres of property he would farm and with all this work He would have to justify building a well onto his property to find it. However aside from this one tale I couldn't find any cases that really, you know, backed up this story. In 1925, we move on. Uh, two things happened. Uh, in, in the February of this year, an archaeologist by the name of Count Byron de Prorok, which is P-R-O-R-O-K, I have a hard time, you know, pronouncing words with two R's that close together, like rural, It's just kind of mush mouth at that point. Um, he would go on to examine some exposed sections um, over the years and determine that they were made by a prehistoric race. He's the first, you know, a, um, smart guy, if you want, to, to say, like, no, like, there's, there's no way that this was natural, you know, because he was pointing out the regularities in the, in, the, in the divisions and the cuts and everything. These seem more like masonry works and everything. Um, however, later on that year, Dr. R.S. Uh, Heyer, Hyer actually looked up that one. So uh, he was a former president and professor of physics at SMU. Uh, he would conclude that the formation is natural, and pretty much everyone kind of took his word on it uh, from that point on. Um, and by the way, I'm skipping over a lot of other minor things that kind of just confirmed or just went against a lot of these things. Um, but it just didn't feel good reiterating. So if you're wondering why it's so sh- why I'm not mentioning every single one, that's why. Um, in 1933, a man by the name of Martin Kelsey and Harold Denton, uh, with the help of one J.S. Mason, who was a Rockwall County surveyor, would make the first map detailing the known 11 outcroppings of the sections of the wall. Um, so when I was looking online and looking for a, a complete map of what people were looking at, this is one of the first things I found, which is really interesting because I could see from a geologist standpoint of why it just looks like natural formations and faults because There was a theory about fault lines that were in the area. So that's where this happened and came into to being But however, there's another researcher who said that uh, the salt the the fault lines that they were referring to uh, has no Evidence proving that they come down this far into Rockwall uh, to matter, you know, so it's kind of a gray area for conversation right there. I couldn't personally give you my own opinion because I don't feel like I'm educated enough in geology to give you that informed opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, like this guy, he pretty much went with the thesis of, no, it's just sedimentary rock. We're not going to worry anything past that. Um, uh, skipping over a lot of you know, people going back and forth throughout the years, you know either confirming or denying whether they were just researchers or they were, you know, actual um, uh, PhD, you know, professors and stuff, because there was quite a few. Uh, they would go back and forth, you know, saying this or that or the other. Sometimes, you know, the, uh, in one instance in the 70s even, Rockwall actually held an open county fair for, for kids and, and students to go and look at the wall, and uh, they would hold this fair and have uh, as many as 70 people a day sometimes, you know, come to see these exposed portions. Uh, Which is kind of impressive for this tiny town. Yeah, well, not just that, just this tiny town. To this day is really tiny still. Um, But we're going to jump to 1996 to an architect by the name of John Lindsay. Uh, He conducted a study of previous excavations, you know, gathering everybody else's throughout the years since 1852, you know, all their observations and everything. And he would determine, uh, uh, quote, after compiling past records, Data and documents, including recent studies and research, evidence of prehistoric structure uh, being built by man is mounting, unquote. So he's not outright saying he believes man built it. But however, he says that over the years of everything he's seen, it's become very convincing, which I, I feel is a very safe way and appropriate way to handle, you know, saying something like this. When over the years, it's become so controversial. Yeah. You know, it's almost 200 years since we first found it. Uh, and we still don't have a uh, consensus of what uh, we agree it is. Um, skipping a few more years again, we're going to jump to 2012, to that America Unearthed uh, ch- uh, show on the History Channel I was talking to you about. The one I witnessed, the one that got me interested in. Um, this episode aired uh, with researchers uh, going to a, a particular spot in the northeast side of Rockwall County, um, where he would take uh, core samples from these stones you know measure the magnetic alignment he would measure uh, certain types of materials that you would find in sedimentary rock and and just you know basic geology examination Um, and this examination uh, proved that the stones were natural. But All that proved is that the stones themselves were naturally formed they weren't mason work so they weren't works or anything like that so I still want to make the argument that uh, it could have been manipulated because a lot of people say that yes um these may be naturally formed however it's not to say man didn't come in at some points and added to it or used it because there's cases of people claiming that they found you know stuff like windows and doorways and arches and stuff like this in the wall but we don't have any scientists to have backed up these statements so it's still kind of you got to take what you get You know, there's just not a lot of research that's done about this place. There's not a lot of people who care enough to question and and to prove it or not. Because most people just kind of go with the accepted theory of everything they read and say, yes, it's just a a plastic dike, you know, filled with uh, sand. Uh, They say like a specific, like, almost like a slurry mix was what fell into these cracks that would form. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's uh, about the rock wall itself. But I did find one more interesting thing about Rockwall. It's kind of happened last week, actually. On September 3rd, last Thursday of 2020, uh, reports would indicate officers would respond to a woman who had escaped a second-story window after being held there against her will. SWAT would then later on arrive on scene, and three more women would exit the, uh, the home and be questioned. As of right now, no one has been charged, and we don't know where the owner of the home is. We don't know. They haven't released the names of these women, and we don't. I couldn't find any more stories, but with cases, but with other stories about uh, women and children who have escaped out you know entrapment over the years, you know, from from people. It, it just it kind of blew my mind to just kind of stumble onto that story. Unrelated, but I felt it was important because um, it's it maybe a story I want to follow. You know, for future episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So we can kind of say right off the bat, you were wrong.
2: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No.
1: Yeah, easily wrong, cause cause that was one of the first things I found. I was like, all right, let's go to the first source of this, and that, it spilled out there. Rockwall, the Rockwall Historical Society actually does a really good job of documenting everything, because the guy who runs the the thing, the Rockwall Historical Museum, and the the site, he really believes that the wall was you know built. He doesn't believe it just. Um, so he really wants to get a scientist to, uh, to do a proper excavation. However, at this point, most of the wall is under private land, and then you gotta, you know, get permission from people to excavate their land, and you can see where that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So, is that gonna happen anytime soon? Probably not. I don't imagine it being, you know, an answer we're gonna get. It, you know, but. Overall, rock wall is an interesting story for me, you know, because it's not something you hear about every day. You know, when do you just hear about it, entire walls just being buried? You don't. You hear them being erected, you know? Great Wall of China, Trump's stupid wall that's only lasts, like, what, three miles or something like that? Uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't cover the entire Mexican border. Not at all. Not even close. Um, which, by the way, a little caveat, I try not to be political, but one of the things I love is seeing all the people all the Mexicans who could either just fit through the bars or are able to climb over. I've watched hundreds of those videos. Oh god, it makes me laugh. But let's go ahead and move over to Africa. Specifically, we're going to go to Ethiopia because this is where we're going to find the Danical Depression. Now, Danical Depression is hell. Now, I'm born in I was born in uh, San Bernardino County. I was raised um Pretty much in death valley as my dad worked there uh for the with the u.s army at the time and uh so i'm used to that heat now on average you you'll you'll hear everyone say you know the death valley is the hottest place on earth mojave desert hottest place on earth however on average the Danube depression is actually the hottest place on earth um uh with the average temperatures uh being around 34 degrees celsius which is almost 94 degrees fahrenheit that's almost your internal body temperature Um, which is on average. The highest it can get is, um, like, on average, 117 in June and July. And the coldest it gets on average during the day happens in uh, January and February, and that's only 86 degrees. However, it's very dry. It's not like how we suffer here in the humidity. It's very, very dry. Well, if it's
0: naturally 117 degrees, that's easily enough to kill a person. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. But uh degrees is
0: all it
1: takes but heat alone ain't the only threat here, uh which surprising this place is a very big tourist destination, and it really shouldn't be, and I'll get to that in a minute um uh, but yeah, that's uh nine degrees hotter than it is on average in Death Valley, just for context for for people who want that um for some context it you know it helps understand that uh, it, uh the major, I'm trying to remember the names of the, of the rivers that were in there because I didn't write it down because um, I just looked them up and I, I'm blanking out. But there are major rivers that flow through the Danical Depression, don't even make it to the ocean. Yeah, it's so hot, these rivers boil off before they can get to the river and it just dries out, thus leading to, you know, dry lake beds and everything. And this will lead to a lot of uh, salt deposits, which will become uh, important to a lot of people's livelihoods in this area. Um but to to kind of understand what's going on, I saw, I looked into the geology of this area. I looked into you know tectonic plates. I looked into um, kind of the formations of some of the more famous parts of this area, um, and I and I learned that part of what makes this area so extreme is that there's a magma uh, a mantle plume that's that's forming underneath the Danakil Depression. Now what that does is that it's forcing jets uh, of you know just Boiling you know scorching hot magma through the crust and everything and it's pushing up underneath these plates And so it's pushing these plates away the Nubian the Arabian and the Somalian plates are being pushed away And in its wake is being left this depression. That's why we call it because it's lower than the sea level and This is what's formed in this area and when you got hot magma boiling up underneath, you know, which leads to volcanoes and stuff you have a dry, uh, dry area, you know, filled with with you know salt and, and you know briny water that does that does uh, exist and is left over. Um, you you are starting to create a very extreme environment of all kinds of levels. You know, you have the acidity that's going crazy. You have the heat that's going crazy. You have the geology that's trying to kill you. Uh, it, it, you know, it's a lot of crazy stuff, but it's so pretty to look at, uh, because. They have some of the most beautiful uh, rock formations I've ever seen. Uh, Like they were in uh, Yellowstone, where I was talking about how you had those bacteria that discolor the rocks and everything in the water and all that. Um, That's part of what um, uh, is leading to all these discolorations of the rock. Uh, But you also have stuff like the high concentration of sulfur. You have different salts. uh, You have iron deposits and, and, uh, you know, halophiles, which are, you know... An extreme, a bacterial extremophile that does very well in salty environments. Um, unlike us pathetic humans, where we can't even drink three percent salt water, yeah. you know.
0: That would actually be really interesting if that place got hot enough and caught fire, because it would be blue. Yeah, like with all the salt, mm. be blue fire. That would actually be kind of cool. Yeah, it would. But uh, just the fact that it's a tourist place.
1: Well, we'll get to that. It's a tourist place because it's so dangerous. It's the thrill seeker kind. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, you're stupid, you know? <laughs> it, well, because there, there's political turmoil in this area, too. So, I mean, there have been numerous cases of people being just headshot and eviscerated and taken and abused by people in this area. Because um, this, this land borders um, Eritrea, which is very... Uh, I didn't look into Eritrea, I'll be honest. But from uh, the context of everything else I've written... Seems like an area with a lot of political discourse. So, what you're
0: telling me is that the environment doesn't kill you. The people will. The people will. Yes,
1: that is exactly what I'm telling you. Uh, Because anytime somebody goes out there, it's highly, highly recommended. You get the military, or you get someone who's got like 20 plus years of experience in this area. So, what
0: you're telling me is this takes money.
1: Yes, it takes a lot of money. Um, So, that's why I love the photography. no, the the volcanic activity in this area is uh, something totally unique to this area, and you won't find it. You won't. You'll find close examples, but not any uh, that are quite like this one, uh, because they have a shield volcano called Erta Ale, uh, which is the only one that I know of that's below sea level that reaches a total height of 613 meters, which is like over 2,000 feet tall. Um, but again, it's under sea level because of the, of the depression, um, with the longest existing lava lake. Uh, this lava lake first formed in 1906 and has been a constant staple since. Um, the adventurous type that like to travel the region, are often, like, I, like I was telling you earlier, uh, they are advised, you know, with them and their tour guides and everyone, if they are interested in viewing the lake, uh, it's best to view it at the dark of nights and prepare to leave before the heat gets too intense in the morning. Uh, because the heat travels very fast. Uh, but at night you are said to see a variety of, you know, beautiful displays of colors and, uh, explosive actions because of the different, uh, you know, salts and sulfurs that are, that bleed into this, uh, lava lake and just, I've seen some of the videos of it. God, is it gorgeous. You know, like, like screensaver worthy stuff. <laughs> that's Natural how, that's, fireworks. yeah, that's how I describe it. Um, but granted, I don't want to stand next to it, no. you know, right. um, because even the air—fumes. Oh yeah.
0: Alone would be enough. The...
1: Yeah, around the around the the lava lake, of course, obviously. But it's not just around the lava lake, because the air at some points can be too much at times for people to breathe normally, and they require gas masks because samples and tests have shown extremely high concentration of chlorine gas in the air. Yeah. You're literally gassing yourselves here and there's even spots uh, I believe that are blanket co2 areas where people without knowing better you know would go down you know maybe to relieve themselves for a moment they don't realize they they just walked into an environment with no oxygen and they suffocate and die yeah and you, you there there have been pictures and videos of animals I've seen. Where, like, a bird would see an animal that's dead and think, oh, that's food. And go down, and in three seconds, it would just collapse and die, too. And it'd just be, like, this whole grayish black graveyard. Yeah. But it's only, like, in certain certain locations. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's just one of the many things trying to kill you. it um, really
0: suck if you took a piss in there and made uh, mustard gas. Oh, yeah,
1: that'd be something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that one when <laughs> I was writing this. <laughs> um, but, you know. to the side. Right. No. You just gassed yourself. Yeah. As, uh, what is it, DJ Khaled said, you played yourself. <laughs> uh, but this, however, hasn't stopped many people, of course, from traveling uh, just to visit the area. Um, like I can tell you, however, don't be a fool. This area is near constant threat of attacks, like I was telling you about. Um, many guards, guides, and guests have been killed in the area, and it's best to find a guide very well prepared and trained for this environment. I can't stress that enough, because there was a, a, um, a German, a, a German. I can't remember if he was just a photographer or he was a full-fledged journalist, um, but he was taking uh, pictures of the area and you know trying to get stuff for a story. When his tour guide said that he just collapsed with a head with a hole in his head. You didn't hear the bullet. you didn't see where it came from. He just collapsed and died because he was shot from a distance. There, had been, there was a story from like 2017 where a group of tourists went and they didn't have a very experienced tour guide. And uh, a group of pirates came and, and harassed them. And five of them were beaten. Two of them were raped. And just horrible, horrible stuff. And there's story after story after story of this
0: want to know what kind of person is like, yeah, I'll guide you in there. Easy, no problem.
1: Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Because still, even with all these dangerous conditions, those in this area often travel to the region to mine the salt. As um, in early Ethiopian history, the salt from this region was equatable to gold. They would actually use this salt as currency. Um, uh, from the salt beds, uh, like in Lake Asale, which is uh, A-S-A-L-E. So I hope I pronounced that one that one right. Um, and all of this is also done by hand. They don't have machine to. They don't have power tools like we do or anything. Uh, like one of these tools I saw the guy used is, is a stick that's about the, the length of my arm. My arm's six feet long. It's uh, so almost two meters long. At the very end of it is a very sharpened you know iron piece or a rock, and he uses that to cut slabs out. And they take these slabs and they put them on camels, uh, and they take their whole camel caravan all the way across this massive trek just to get back home. Um, There's a few very, very tiny towns, Uh, one being a ghost town called Dalol where there's almost nobody there anymore. Uh, There's a military base in the opposite direction, very few people, but it's paved now, so a lot more people travel on it. Um, And this is how people still, you know, get by, you know, making their livelihoods in this area. Um, They... uh, uh, they would often be people who would warn, you know, other tourists and everything to, to stay away from this area. However, when you've got researchers who are interested in this area, who want to know more about what's going on, you kind of can't stop them. You know, the pursuit of knowledge, you know, is, is a thirst we're never going to quench. Which is important to know that despite all these harsh conditions uh, that one faces here, monumental discoveries in, you know, the area, in this area, have forever changed our understanding of human evolution. Because this is where we found Lucy, yes,
2: like the, the
1: Lucy? Lucy, the Lucy, Australopithecus afarensis. She's named after the area, the Afar, you know, region, which is where the Danical Depression is located. Yeah, and a little quick, you know, a quick fact for those who may not know: Lucy's named after a Beatles song. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this. Uh, but this is where Lucy was found. But this is also where the oldest confirmed skeleton related to us has been found. Now her name is Artie, you know, which is a Artypithecus ramidus, um, which is her, you know, genealogical name. They found um, her not too long ago, right? Yeah, they like, found her last in last
2: Whenever they found the no, newest skeleton.
1: I heard something last year, but I haven't researched it too much. Um, but but yeah, um, Artie was found this like this century for sure. I know because yeah. it was big news when they found Artie. Um, but since then, we haven't really heard much about it. But Arty is the oldest confirmed uh, skeleton that we have that we can say pretty much is related to us. Um, but we would also discover, you know, some of the oldest uh, proofs of uh, stone tools and masonry that was used at this time. I, I shouldn't have said masonry because it wasn't. Uh, but oldest stone tools and everything that they, that they would use that they could directly tie to, you know, Lucy's people and everything, being over 3 million years old. Um so yeah it's just and they they were able to prove that in June of 2010. So it, it's just you know crazy you know stories happening one you know one after another. Um was it oldest ancestors we found? Yeah, just just reconfirming a lot of what I wrote. Um but yeah, like to think about uh, the cradle of civilization, you know we know it's in Africa and everything, but to think, you know, all the life that still flocks around this are, you know, un, I don't think you can argue that it's a horrible region to live in, you know. I definitely like my AC. I definitely like living next to a lake that I can enjoy, you know, the water. You know, well, because where I used to live.
0: I was about to say, there ain't yeah. no lakes around here?
1: No, not around here, but, you know. I
0: mean, know, around here, where we're at currently. Yeah. There's the no, but where,
1: where I live, it's a 10-minute drive to the lake, Yeah, you know. um, So I, I definitely enjoy the comforts I have, to say the least. I, I, I'm not going to say, oh, it could be better and shit like that when I'm gonna, when I'm comparing this to people who literally mine salt for a living by hand. I'm not going to do that, you know.
0: Their hands must be so chapped.
1: Oh, I've seen pictures of their hands. It looked, um, for those who don't know uh, me personally, I, for a period, used to work for a company called Wazoo Survival Gear, and I would be the guy who had handmade a lot of their products, and when I would come home and see the calluses all over my hands and just feel the 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 crunch almost the literal crunch of my fingers moving because of it i thought that was bad now when you look at these guys hands it's like i got a pedicure or a a manicure uh so it's just like it's indescribable what these guys go through
0: as a kid i used to make sugar and salt scrubs yeah my hand you know mix my own oils make the bases yeah and every time i'd doing a salt scrub oh my hands would come out bleeding and broken and it so painful
1: yeah that does not sound enjoyable no no but uh but yeah you know that's just you know a few interesting facts of of uh, the danical depression there's a lot more that's worth looking into you know there's a lot of uh political turmoil that you can look in the area especially how it relates to ethiopia you could look at more of the geology and how these, you know, intricate form uh, geological formations, uh, the, how they interact with each other and give the Danville Depression its uh, unique uh, touristy attractions, if you want to call it that, because that's how people see it. Um, but but a lot of it, if, if you're that kind of nerd, it's really fascinating because I am that kind of nerd. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But before I talk about it to the ends of the earth, let's move on to our last topic. We're going to go to the Baltic Sea Anomaly. Now, there's not too much about the Baltic Sea Anomaly because, honestly, if you accept what the researchers say, it's just really mundane. However, the, the, the speculations that came out of it was very, very fun and very, very fascinating. Um, on, in June of 2011, you know, the self-described treasure hunters of uh, Sweden's Ocean X team uh, they would be the people who would take some sonar images in the center of the Gulf of Bothnia. Uh, they would be the guys who created the very famous picture of the Baltic Sea anomaly. You know, the grainy image of what basically looks like the Millennium Falcon underwater. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that thing. These, would be, these, this, these are the guys who found that, or who took those pictures. One specific image, like I said, it looked like a very strange craft measuring uh, over 200 feet in diameter. Uh, And other features that people claim to see, you know, would be ramps, stairways, columns, hallways. You know, many people would come out and make artistic depictions of what they thought this was. Um, You can see a ton of them just by Google searching, you know, the Baltic Sea anomaly. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really out there. Like, one of them really made an attempt to try to make it look like a spaceship that had, like, eroded away. And I'm like, I appreciate it. But, alien guys
0: live
1: exactly crazy. right. You know we're not George Yostopoulos, but <laughs> so I just got reminded of a, a, a Halloween that I did one year where I dressed up as him.
0: Did you walk around going Yeah I, with the hands? I, the and first thing
1: I did is I took you know my crappy you know leather duster and everything, and I had the tie on and everything. I actually gelled up my hair. No, not gel, hairspray. Because you, you see how long my hair is, it goes down to my chin. It's about that long now. Imagine I hairsprayed that crap up.
0: Oh gosh! Did yeah. You do the streaks? Huh?
1: Did you do the streaks? I tried. The streaks? I tried. I oh, tried, but but this was also before the gray streaks were really like prominent. prominent. This was like height of ancient aliens. You know when he's when he's like that's when the meme was born. Um, so there's a really old picture that I have to dig for you. That that is me just doing that the, the famous pose.
0: My dad watches that unironically. Oh God, He's I'm serious that we are the aliens.
1: I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't knows, say right? it's not. I wouldn't say it's not true I Wouldn't
0: say it's not possible.
1: Well, I don't know because there. I you know if you want to dip into like metaphysics and stuff, which is definitely something we're going to cover in the future, there are those who do believe we straight up came from Mars. You know, and they would point to these weird pyramids that are on there and then oh we my have gosh. them here. And
0: now there's a random sphere that one of the Mars rovers found? Yeah. It's totally and, random.
1: Yeah, I know. And and it's so worth the discussion. But... Not right now. Exactly. Another episode. So back to the Baltic Sea anomaly. You know, a second dive would occur in 2012, you know, and these researchers would try to get a clearer image. Um, but this is where, you know, we discovered uh, the, uh, the mysterious electrical interferences. You get to a certain point, you just, your equipment stops working. So then they would go down um, and collect some samples. However, of course, whenever you come back to the surface and say, yeah, we couldn't take pictures, there was this weird magnetic shit going on, you're going to spark fuel to that you know, already existing fire of this weird geological formation you found. This is when, you know, people were, you know, saying it's it's a crashed or submerged UFO. It's probably a portal of some kind or even, you know, a Stonehenge type structure. You know, we don't know, which honestly out of the three is for me the most plausible. you know, Stonehenge structure. Because you, you do see stuff like columns. You do see stuff that looks like staircases. Yes, I will. I will accept, you know, it could be, you know, uh, natural. And if we get the 100% proof to say it is, I'm not going to be shocked. But at the same time, if we get proof that says, no, like, look at these inscriptions. This was definitely built by people. People were definitely here. I'm not going to be shocked. You know, it's uh, it's just kind of a a 50-50 coin right now. It's just an anomaly, which is the perfect name for it. Um, But the samples I was talking about, uh, the samples that these people would uh, collect uh, from the stone surfaces, uh, they would be analyzed, uh, indicating evidence of naturally formed granites uh, why did I say that word so weird? Granites. Uh, uh, nices and sandstones. Uh, three different types of naturally occurring rocks that you would expect to see in this area. Uh, they even found some basaltic rock, which they said was, was strange, but not completely uncommon. Um, because, uh, this area is, uh, commonly known to have been affected and shaped by glacial movements during the Ice Age and everything. So rocks would drift from one area and be deposited in others. Uh, there's one, uh, I don't remember right off the top of my head where it is, but there's one kind of uh, famous formation where you've got these massive boulders that are sitting on top of these uh, mountain peaks that are basically like, if you imagine a sharpened pencil to a point, you've got you know, a jar breaker sitting on top of it. That's what it basically is. And you've got like, hundreds of stones like this, I believe. Um, I tried looking into it, but because I don't remember the the country it's from, it was kind of hard for me to find. But it's definitely something I want to look into more. But it, I know for a fact that these are confirmed to have been placed here because of mm-hmm. glacial formations. When the ice melted away, and these rocks and tops you know, would fall on top of mountain tops, erosion would happen over the years, and the, you got just these massive balls on top of these, you know, you know, very jagged, pointed uh, mountain tops and stuff we like actually that.
0: We have one here in America. With- the Balancing Rock it's in Utah, I believe, in Monument
1: Valley. Yeah, I, I know the Balancing Rock, and it, it's uh, I, I believe I've personally seen it, but I was like four or something. I've like, seen it a
2: couple
1: times. So yeah, it's like that's a very great example of of of, uh, of this kind of action happening. Um, so with uh, glacial movements and even post glacial movements, with you know water, you know coming in and eroding and, and doing extra stuff, you know most people pretty much agree that. There's nothing truly stranger around this. There, for, to explain you know, the magnetic anomaly, I could even just say there's probably a massive deposit of iron or something in the area that, that messes with it. It's completely possible. We have evidence of it in many other locations around the world, and, and I'm not going to be shattered by that revelation. It, you know It is strange, of course, but completely possible. But these were three topics that, or, or three uh, geological formations that I felt uh, were really worth the dive talking to because they may not be unexplainable, but they are most certainly interesting. You know, I definitely fell into the rabbit holes of all these kind of little caveats, especially with Rockwall and the Baltic Sea anomaly, all the little rabbit holes of people's conspiracies and stuff. Really fun to to kind of like just laugh at at some points, but. Some of them kind of make you think, because some of these guys, you know, they're not stupid, like with Rockwall. You had geologists say, no, like, this was made by prehistoric man, or it's a very convincing argument, at least. You know, when you got, you know, educated people saying that, it kind of makes you want to wonder. You know, and then, of course, because I'm a nerd, I just love things geology when it came to the Danical Depression. And there's a lot more stuff going on in that area that's totally worth it. And some of the pictures are gorgeous. Um, So, you know... On top of the other three that I wanted to include in here, uh, we might make this a two-parter um, and add some more places that I wanted to. Because, I mean, there's all kinds of other stuff i found, uh, such as, like, the Michigan Stonehenge. Uh, there is, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called, but there's a, a something in Russia, Siberia specifically, uh, where people claim to have found these alien constructions. And I believe they refer to them as lighthouses. People have gone inside, but when they get to this area, their equipment stops working. They feel nauseated. Some people don't come back. Uh, There was even one report saying that one of these structures erected itself out of the ground and fired a fire out of this ball that came out of it and shot a meteor.
0: Sounds like new Russian military tactics.
1: This report comes out of the 1800s. Exactly. Because guess where I found out about this? Ancient aliens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people do attribute these lighthouses, as I'm going to address them right now, as, you know, alien defense systems. Um, So I thought that would be fun to try to research and look into more. And then, of course, you know, you you have a bunch of other stuff that's totally worth talking about. Um, You know... God, K2 is one of the most uh, it's the second tallest mountain but I believe it has it's, it's labeled as the da- the most dangerous one for a reason um, because of it, it, it's steeper climb uh, more people have died due to hypothermia or falling off rock faces because of it um, I mean Everest is fun but everyone knows Everest there's a, a similar formation like we were talking about uh, with rock wall that people have found off the coast of Japan where it's uh, this massive stone monument that looks too perfectly cut to be, you know, naturally made. So people think it's the temples of some ancient Japanese culture, long forgotten about. You know, so there, there's always more things, you know, worth diving into. Um, but uh, if people enjoy this, like I said, we'll, do, we'll definitely do a second part, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, that's it for today. You know, how did you how did you like the stories? You know, how did you like the tales?
0: I like conspiracy theories, and I always love a good story of uh, archaeologists fighting each other to mm-hmm. find out who's right. That's one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, because so. you've you got to argue the truth to find the truth. That's true. Um, and when you got evidence that doesn't kind of neatly line up with everything you've been thinking of for a while, you kind of got to have some fun with it. It's, it's called for, in my opinion. You know, granted, take everything with a grain of salt. But
0: I just wanna, I just wanna hear the, the diss tracks of each of these guys. Like, no, it's made by man. No, it's made by the earth. <laughs> like you know, there were some diss tracks in there.
1: Oh, I don't doubt it. You know, people's thesis, uh, thesis papers and everything, and then they'll add that little, you know, quick notes in the margin. You know, fuck this asshole. He doesn't know what he's he talking about. Like <laughs> you know, I found this. How did he miss this? And just, he's an idiot. Whatever. So I wouldn't doubt that at some point that might have happened because I did not personally read their handwritten documents, obviously. But I read the what you know what was uh, written in their reports, and I read you know the summary that other people have collected. Um, and uh, I did want to look more into kind of the political history that's surrounding the whole Danical depression area. But then once I opened that can of worms, I realized just how big that was, and I don't need this to be a four-hour episode. <laughs> but, but yeah I, I, I'm honestly I'm going to be honest I'm kind of disappointed there wasn't more with the Baltic Sea anomaly I was really hoping there was something I didn't know yeah. and no nah, it just is pretty mundane you know most people agree it's like there's nothing really strange about it yes you got conspiracy websites that will come out claiming oh we found this new thing and scientists aren't talking about it I'm like where's your source man where's your source
0: it's because they get mind wiped by the government
1: Oh, that's true that's right i mean we've got these birds
0: yeah the birds man. yeah
1: i'm, I'm telling you they, they aren't real man you stare
0: into your into their eyes and you forget the last 10 minutes
1: i mean how do you think we got the big brother state we, they're, they're not birds they're biological incognito radio drones
0: <laughs> that's what they are that's why they need batteries in england
1: <laughs> i mean have you ever wondered why birds look at you cross it's because they're trying to examine you That's what it is. It's the cameras. It's trying to adjust your face.
0: Have you ever seen a bird break? Because I watched a bird break. One time I was in a parking lot, and there was a french fry on the ground, and I was like, a bird's probably gonna gonna go get that. And so a bird landed, and it just cocked its head to the side, opened its mouth, and stopped. (laughs) And it stopped long enough for me to get into my car, find my phone in my mess of a purse, Pull it out and take a picture, and it was still there at the end of it. <laughs> Why? It ran out of batteries, man. It landed and ran out of batteries. Fair also. enough.
1: Oh, that reminds me of like the whole uh, celebrity replacement sp- conspiracy, and then we go with Al Roker. Uh, you you know what video I'm about to uh, discuss yes, about? Where funny. he's on uh, Good Morning America, and then he just has that moment where he's listening to everyone, and then he just snaps at the camera. He has a really weird face going on. A lot of people are saying, "Oh no, this is the clone downloading his new mes- uh, his new uh, uh, instructions, new yeah, or whatever it maybe is." Like, oh god, are you serious? Like, I know I'm joking about the birds, but people actually believe this, and that's what blows my mind. And I, it's on the table. We're talking about you know the whole celebrity clone conspiracy. It's something on the table. I just personally, it's just so out there. I just don't want to tackle it just yet. I'm not ready to open that can of crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like that and the Fort Knox one. Oh God, that was just as bad. Oh, but uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun places. Not a lot of time to talk about them. They, I, I wish I could do these, these specific places, that, you know, the justice they deserve. But this isn't a, a geology uh, podcast. That kind of sounds boring, but I'd also be the asshole that listens to that every week. But, uh, but yeah, um, this, this was fun. I'm so glad we got you on this episode. I'm so glad uh, you, you agreed to, to do this because I know we, we were already talking about other episodes that might be fun to do. And I kind of got you to the point is like, if you got a good idea, shut the fuck up. <laughs> because I don't want to hear it yet. I want, I want to you know have you teach me like, like, like I, I, I try to do with these stories and, and tales that I find. Um, because you you have mentioned a lot of good things that I, I'm really intri- intrigued to hear and I really want to see what what, uh, what I can learn from you. Um, but I can't wait to have you on more episodes. I can't wait to have you uh, mingle with everybody else that we have on the on the team. And I can't wait to see where we go from here. Um, just to, just real quick, is there anything personal you would like to plug? You know, Any streaming sites or anything that you do or no?
2: No, no not right now.
1: Okay, well... As always in the future, I know I've talked about it in depth, all kinds of stuff that I wanted to do, and I don't talk about it on the podcast, um, but uh, there's there's a lot of things I've been interested in trying to, to do in the future, and I know you've been interested uh, with some things I've mentioned in the past, uh, so we'll see where things go, but before I just start rambling on in my personal life, let's go ahead and nip this in the bud right here. Uh, this has been a great episode, and I can't wait to see you guys again next week. Bye.
0: Bye.